We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Happy Saturday, happy weekend. It is your usual Saturday crew. I am Jason Perrone of Game on Wisconsin and the Pack-A-Day podcast, of course, along with my usual co-host Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Brettel of every website that publishes any <laughs> Packers content anywhere. But mostly it's Dairyland Express and Game on Wisconsin. Mark, how are we looking yes. on the East Coast? We're looking good. Great day today, weather-wise. All week's been pretty, pretty nice. But and, and it's crazy. They 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 predict it rain every day, and we haven't gotten it. It's been pretty nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah, here in the Phoenix area, it's just hot. It's terrible. It's that like hot part of this part of summer is is similar to the worst part of winter in the winter parts of the country where. By you know, Paul. I guess you can you can chime in here and tell us how things are looking up in Wisconsin. But when do you? I mean, you know, you'll make a jokey answer like everyone else does. But <laughs> when is typically the I got to get out of here point in the winter? It's like late January. It's after after football ends, after the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, you, January and February are the they're the tough months up here. Those are the ones where if you can get away, you usually do. Yeah, I take a break. So how is it in the great Dairyland state of Wisconsin? It's fantastic, sunny and humid. I tweeted last weekend that last week it was in the 70s, just beautiful, uh, no humidity. And then uh, last weekend when the humidity rolled in, and of course, all last week I didn't mow, but then I was that sucker out there on Sunday when it's 90 and humid mowing the lawn. So poor plan on, on my part. Yeah, who knows? Well, Mark, and then to the, on the flip side, it's it's been sunny in the forecast 
every day here in Phoenix, but the last couple of days it's been there's been a, a chance that we thought we were going to get like a monsoon storm, which is really? one of those like quick burst storms that comes through and it didn't drop anything on us. It's actually been a really dry summer. It's been pretty dry. I haven't gotten a lot of rain, so that's uh, what you get in the desert, in the snoring desert. But speaking of the great state of Wisconsin, guys, guess what happens tomorrow? I know you already know the answer. There's going to be the sounds of pads cra- crunching, uh, sort of, maybe, kind of. Not the same oh, way we're like used there. to, like, way back <laughs> in the day. But the Green Bay Packers are going to actually get on the practice field, and we're going to have actual stuff to talk about. And we were joking before the show that we're all going to go into that Twitter mode where we're refreshing our feed and looking for any semblance especially, of an idea especially of... Especially Mark. Especially Mark, of course, Mark, absolutely. <laughs> Refreshing that Twitter feed to find out who our our training camp crushes should be. And actually, I don't even know how many media there are going to be if there are going to be any at the practice. I mean, we might we may not get anything live. We might have to wait till it's going to be like the old days where you have to wait till the coaches speak afterwards to even find out what happened. Oh, my God. Like, like we have to wait like two or three hours? <laughs> oh, wow. Can, I hope you guys can handle that. Yeah, for those of you... I think there's going to be some media members there. I just think it might be in a limited capacity compared to normal, but that's just my guess. Yeah. Well, for those of you who aren't privy to our side conversations, Mark was asking that same question, like, why can't you just wait until the end of the day? Why is a practice so important? But that's that's how much we've come to rely on having information right then and there at our fingertips. So, And that's that's how we see media kind of moving towards, too, I guess. They're, they're trying to be first, and sometimes being first isn't always the best. You know, there's something to be said about accuracy, right, Mark? Oh, a little bit. But reason number <laughs> 797 why I got out. Yeah. It's but, a very... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, again, I don't want to sound like, you know, the way it used to be. But, I mean, my whole point is just wait till... Like, I don't want to read that a guy... He dropped the pass. Oh, now he caught a pass. Oh, and he dropped another one. Oh, and he made a great catch. Oh, I'll just wait till the end and tell me what kind of day he had. You know, <laughs> I can wait. It's not that urgent. <laughs> now, again, if it's a game, that's different. I want to hear scores as they happen. Sure, all that. If I'm not home watching it, but I mean, it's it's a training camp practice. I mean, I've been to a million training camp practices. Let me tell you, they're not that involved. Like it's there's about a handful of them that are really intense and and fun to watch and good. You know, a guy catching a ball against air, oh, he he better. You know what I'm saying? Like I you know and, and Philly's as bad as anywhere else too. Like, oh Carson Wentz looked great. He could well, he had no there was nobody rushing him, there was nobody covering his receivers. Of course he looked great. You know. <laughs> right. So you're not willing to ride the roller coaster of training camp in summertime like the rest of some of us do. And I'll be honest, and before I started writing and really kind of leveling my head out, which many of you will argue is still not level, which is valid. <laughs> I was I was totally that person you're talking about, Mark, where I was like, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then it's like, oh, but then he dropped one. <laughs> I, and I was, I was totally that fan, totally that fan. So it's now we've learned, we've learned in Green Bay specifically that there's going to be a guy that's going to do well in camp. Every year there's an undrafted free agent or two that comes up out of sure. nowhere and, and, they may or may not make a huge splash. I've, re- I've referred to the summer of Tory Gurley and DeAndre Burrell several times on this show, which was 2011, and which is hilarious when you think back to who the Packers already had at wide receiver, plus they had just drafted Randall Cobb in the second round. Like, come on, man. Uh, to myself, I'm saying, like, how do you think those two guys were going to unseat any of those veterans, James Jones, Greg Jennings, Driver? They're still, they're still producing jo- Jordy. You know, they had Jermichael back then. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. 
I've come a long way. We all have. So this week, our group has drawn. We're doing our positional analysis by day, so hopefully you've enjoyed those that have happened so far. But our group has drawn the interior offensive line. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So we kind of did this in a, in a nice format in that we're going to answer some burning questions about the group versus just going player by player and, and knocking out the notes on it. So the first question that we're going to address is how good is Elton Jenkins? So I'll just say Elton Jenkins obviously played fantastically as a rookie. He unseated Lane Taylor, although Lane Taylor was injured. So that's really more of the function of how Jenkins got on the field, but he ain't coming off the field anytime soon. Now he is right up there among some of the best that, that played in football last year. And obviously we need to see how he comes out and plays this year. Was it like a huge high and then do we get a little bit of a come down in 2020? Who's, who knows? But just a couple of notes on him before I turn it over. He had eight penalties last season as a rookie, which was fourth most in the, uh, among offensive linemen. But he gave up, he was uh, not credited with giving up any sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. So I know that that's not the end-all, be-all metric, but a big old goose egg in that category is good for me. That's that's good enough for me, at least as a starting point. So, Mark, we'll start with you. How good is Elton Jenkins? I I think the sky is the limit for him. I mean, he you know to, to to come in as a rook and play as well as he did that that's impressive. Um, I mean, I I thought he would play last year. I thought I mean it was a matter of time before he won that job. They they didn't take him as high as they they did in the second round for him to be a backup. So. It was only a matter of time, but I thought he would have, you know, your rookie struggles like like most rookies do at, at any position. Well, he really didn't. Eight penalties, that's still not that's not a lot. I mean, that's, that's not bad at all. Um, and not allowing a sack. I mean, uh, there's, there's other stats on him, too. He, he didn't allow much pressure. He was a I mean, he was a great draft pick. I, you have to give the, the scouts and, the, and the, 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 the front office a lot of credit there. I mean, that was a that was a great pick. Um, my question is, does he stay at left? Is he a left guard for the next whatever many years, 10, 12, 15 years? Or, you know, does he maybe move to center if Corey Lindsay isn't on the team next year? Yeah, and that'll does parlay he... us into our next question after after this one. That's a perfect question to ask because it's, it's very I mean, valid. He was a center in college. I mean, that's another thing. He he was so good at left guard. I mean, and he, he wasn't a left guard. I mean, he, he played, I think he played a few snaps there, but he was mostly in college a center i mean scouts looked at him and and said i remember when i was doing my uh, draft stuff um that that year um both him and the, the other there was two guys that uh, like um, who, who was the other center that was drafted in the second round i can't think of his name now um anyway they, they were both centers but i remember my guys telling me you know they could both play guard and, and be very good good guards as well so it wasn't like unforeseen, but still, for a guy to come in, play a new position, and play it that well, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a great, great player for a long time. Yeah, you know, no argument for me here, Paul. Your thoughts on Jenkins, and if there's any other numbers that we've conjured up on him? Um, Mark said it best. Sky's the limit. I think, you know, as you guys have both said, what he did last year as a rookie, you know, just being as dominant as he was, and Jason to piggyback off the zero sacks to put that in a little bit of perspective. Um, he was one of only two guards last year who took at least 650 pass blocking snaps and didn't allow a sack. The other was Zach Martin in Dallas, who is an excellent, excellent player yeah. in his own right. Might yeah, be the best player. Exactly. So that's uh, some fantastic company for him. Um, you know, he 
he's super, super strong. And as a pass blocker, him and Bakhtiari together on that left side are excellent together. And I think that there's really sky's the limit in what he can do. And there's still room for improvement. You know, everyone's acknowledged that or, you know, no, regardless of how good your rookie season is, you can always take a step forward. And I still expect that to, to see that from him this year. I mean, Jason, you mentioned the penalties. I, you know, as a rookie, that's to be expected to some degree. So that's one area that can get cleaned up. But obviously, I'm just nitpicking with that. He's been fantastic. He has. He really has. The Packers hit on that. And I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, last year we did the same thing. I was I, I'll just I just remember this uh, the, the second round of the draft. I was on a plane coming back from a business trip, and we're about to take off. And it was like you know right at the cusp of you got to turn your phone off. And mm. the Packers were like two picks away. And so it's like the one time I was actually praying for a delay of, of like taking off on the runway. And I saw the pick come through cause they, uh, they, gosh, did they move up for Jenkins? I think they did. Didn't they move up? Mm, no, they were picking pretty high that year. They were, they, they were picking 12. Yeah, no, I think they stated where yeah. they were. It's the second time, at least, at least the second time on, I don't know how many shows that I've said they moved up for any, they did move up for the player, but they drafted Jenkins, but I think everybody was expecting, something else and i can't remember if we were thinking everyone wanted a receiver receiver yeah Yeah. everybody always wants a receiver right i was gonna say i don't know if you can be a second round pick and be under the radar and i think part of it comes with the nature of being a center or guard that just comes with that but with everyone's eyes on receiver i know Metcalf was still available guys like that and i think that just kind of flew under the radar a little bit to packers fans initially yeah, it did. Big credit to the to the front office because these are not the sexy picks that everybody wants. The quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers, tight ends. You know, they it, these are these are picks we have to live with. I mean, when they drafted Brian Belaga in 2010, I was actually happy with that because I knew they needed it, mm-hmm. and, and it's the first round pick. And it's like, look, you can you can sacrifice three or four years for a running back or five or six years for a receiver. And I'm going off of like the average of how long they they typically play really well in the NFL for. 10 years if you hit right on an offensive line, which in the first round, at least earlier in the, in the first round, you should hit on that. So that was, that was a great pick. It was a great pick. And so that parlays into, so Mark, you kind of set us up for this next part is, is this Corey Lindsay's last year in green Bay and is Elton Jenkins potentially the the reason why or an answer to why. And Andy Herman put up a, a piece about this. He had some predictions, bold predictions for this season. One of which was Corey Lindsley doesn't, uh, stay in Green Bay, and then Jacob Westendorf put up a piece in a game on Wisconsin, kind of piggybacking off of that, and talked about why the Packers might see it that way. So on the so at center, you've got outside of Lindsley, you've got Elton Jenkins, of course, who played it in college. You have Lucas Patrick, who they just gave some money to and extended. They drafted Jake Hansen, but in the sixth round, so not a given there. You know. Lindsley, I think I've mentioned it a couple shows ago, he gave up five sacks last year, which was most among centers in the NFL, only had two penalties all season long. He's not aging. He does get dinged up a little bit. So, Paul, I guess we'll go in reverse order this time here. What is your take on Corey Lindsley staying in Green Bay? Uh, he's. I think this is 100% his final season here. And in Andy's article, he brought up, could he be cut or traded before the season begins? Because yep. as we all know, the Packers have Bakhtiari, King, Jones as well, who are free agents. They're tight against the cap space, and they can free up $8 million if they were to move on from Corey Lindsley. You know, it's not a small amount of money. And if I'm guessing right now, I think he's going to be on the week one roster. 
But you should go check that out at Packer Report. He brought and he made an interesting argument as to why um, it makes sense and the behind it is sound. Um, but I think regardless, this is his last year. I think of those free agents I mentioned in limited cap space, he's probably at the bottom on that pecking order. And this his replacement. I think they're going to keep Elton Jenkins at left guard. I think that's their goal. I mean, for how good he was last year, I think it's one of those things. I mean, could he move to center and be a good player? I think they're, I'm pretty confident in that. But I think he's was so good there last year, you'd leave him where he was in, in a perfect situation. And Jake Hansen's someone that I am – I who I would put my money on as of now to take over that role. Lucas Patrick's another option, but he's he's going to be in his late 20s, or he is in his late 20s, and next year is already the last year of his contract extension. So that's not a long-term answer at the center position. But Hansen coming out of Oregon started 49 games. You're not going to see um, in today's NFL college you know, football, you're not going to see a player that experienced very often. Um, once again, didn't allow many sacks or pressures. And uh, Corey Lindsley in an interview mentioned that he's really intelligent and he's picked up the offense very quickly. Now, in an interview, I'm not expecting Corey Lindsley to say anything negative about him, but I do think that those are some glowing remarks for the rookie as well. And um, lastly, Jason, you mentioned he was a six-round pick. Obviously, there's no guarantee, but at one point, Corey Lindsley was a fifth-round rookie starting week one on the road in Seattle. So it's not, you know, the precedence is there necessarily have to be a first or second rounder at the center position to step in and be a stud by no means does that mean Hanson's going to have a similar trajectory to Lindsley but I think it shows that you know just because he's a sixth rounder that also doesn't limit that either right and then think back to 2014 Corey Lindsley was a pick where I was like okay he's also there but man they got I think I said we talked about this on a previous show as well like they got Carl Bradford they got Jared Aberderis you know, they 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 drafted. Oh, they got Devonte Adams, Haha Clinton Dix. It was like, wow, that was the like the draft. And out of all of those guys, Corey Lindsley's the man standing. So that's that just goes to show you. It's it's no surprise that he's that he's there. Jake Hansen in our game on Wisconsin Slack conversation earlier today. It's like the level of competition Oregon faced too. In addition to all those games played, Paul that you mentioned, another something that you think of is in terms of Hansen's got some pretty good upside there. And then, you know, Mark, you asked the initial question, do they maybe move Elton Jenkins to center? You could make the argument that maybe they want to leave him at left guard because leave well enough alone and he does really well over there. But if he's intelligent enough, I don't see why you don't at least try it out or consider it this this summer, right? Well, I think I agree with a lot of what Paul said. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Lindsay's back next year. Um, could he be gone this year like Andy pointed out? There's a, it made me think about it. I mean, it, it, it certainly it, it did. <laughs> um, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think I would be crazy about that because, I mean, let's say hey, the Packers were a game away from the Super Bowl last year, right? I mean, if this was, if this was a year ago, where they're coming off seven and nine, or whatever they were, six nine, what were they? When six nine the and one. Six nine and one. Yeah, that would be even worse. Um, yeah, then I'm thinking, you know what? Yeah, maybe it is. But let's do this. But when you're as close as they are, why not go for it one more year? I mean, he's under contract. You would save money, but it would be for next year. I mean, you worry about next year, next year. Um, I wouldn't get rid of him now. I mean, again, now, wait a minute. If somebody calls me and gives me a great offer to trade for him, I'd have to think about it. I right. mean, nobody's un, un, untradeable. Um, but, but as far as next year, um, I, I like Hanson too. I think, I mean, we'll see. 
Uh, he, he was a good college player, and I don't care what round he was drafted in. Like you said, Lindsey was a low fifth-round pick. Uh, going back a few years, Scott Wells was a seventh-round pick of the Packers, who played a lot of years for him at, at center. The Packers have a way of finding um, decent offensive linemen late in the draft. I mean, um, Bakhtiari was a fourth-round pick, for God's sake. Who You know, look how great he is. Yep. Um, you know, some guys, Lane Taylor wasn't drafted. So, I mean— I'm, I'm not worried about where he was drafted. I like the fact, like, that as Paul's stat, that he played 49 games at a, at a Pac-12 school. So, yeah, I mean, but I think in terms of would they move Jenkins would be how good is how good is Hanson versus how good is Runyon or one of the other guards on the roster. Because the bottom line is you want to have your five best players out there. So if if Runyon, let's just use him for example, and I'm, I'm, I'm leading us up to another question that we have later. I know, I should have um, let you host today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if Runyon is better is a better guard than Hanson is a center, then you got to get him on the field, right? So maybe you do move. I mean, whatever. I mean, we don't know. But I, I think it's, I think in the Packers' mind, they would like Hanson to be their starting center mm-hmm. and leave Jenkins at guard, and maybe Runyon wins the other guard spot. You know, over um, maybe because Turner, you can get rid of him next year and mm-hmm. save a bunch of money too. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe that's the plan, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't completely rule out Jenkins moving to center because I think I think and I think Andy was the one that pointed it out in, in his story as well. It's easier to find good guards than it is to find a good center. Mm-hmm. It just seems that you know guards are more readily available than than a, than a goods. And the Packers have been lucky for for the most part with with center. They've had some pretty good ones through the through the years. Yeah, they've been lucky in a lot of positions. I think. I mean, they've they've. I, I shouldn't say lucky. I shouldn't say lucky. It's good scouting on their on on, on their part. Yeah, know? and I guess I say I say lucky just because of the fact that the draft never pans out. But they are paid to scout and know what they're looking at. So yes, they should get it right. But and the other the other thing too, and I think the guys that wrote the pieces mentioned it as well. Last year, Mike Daniels gets cut. It was kind of a surprise. And a couple of years prior to that, Josh Sitton gets cut right before the season starts, and that was a bit of a surprise, two different GMs, but it's at least possible that Goot might do the same thing again. Now this year, all the other factors involved, maybe yeah, that's it, a good point. Maybe it keeps Corey Lindsley. Cause we've talked about that. Paul, you've mentioned it. It was a, a lot of the logic behind some of your roster picks and, and Mark yours too, I'm sure. So maybe that, that saves Lindsley from getting cut before the beginning of this season. But yeah, beyond this season, He's he's going to have a, a decent market because he's he's still going to be young enough to get some decent money. So if you're a big Corey Lindsley fan, you might want to take that mental picture of him in a Packers uniform this season. So I'll actually skip since we kind of started talking about the draft picks. I'll skip over to that one as our our next question, and we'll save the the other the third one for last. So the next question is about the draft picks. So which of the 2020 draft picks on the interior offensive lines? So you got John Runyon, Jake Hansen. And Simon Stepaniak, who's still on the NFI list, as far as I am aware. So he's he's on the NFI list. So he's we're still waiting to to get him cleared to participate with the team. But which of these three guys has the brightest future? Mark, I know that you had some insight. Well, you, you know, you covered Runyon's dad for many years in Philadelphia with the Eagles, an absolute stud offensive lineman tackle. So which is it John running or do you think it could possibly be one of the other two? 
No, I think it's Hanson. I think I, I would love it to be Runyon because, like I said, I I know his dad very well. Where I can I consider John a friend, um, and I think John will be fine. I do. I I hope he is. I I hope it's Runyon, but I mean I'm I got to be be objective here. Um, I think I, I think it's going to be Hanson. I, I think he's going to be. Although you know what, the other kid isn't bad either. Um, he's hurt, but uh, he's not going to. I doubt he's even on the roster this year. He'll probably spend a year on on pup or injured reserve or something. But um, right now and again, who knows? We haven't seen any of them do anything in the in the NFL. They haven't even practiced yet. But right now, today, if you ask me, and you are, I'm going to say Hanson. Yeah, and for me, I guess maybe I should listen to what Paul has to say because you're both smarter than I am. So I don't. Maybe I'll make myself sound smarter if I wait. So, Paul, we'll kick it over to you. John Runyon, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepaniak. Who has the better chance or the brightest future? And I guess we should say the brightest future in Green Bay. It is situational sure. to to an extent. but um, So we'll go with within Green Bay. Which of these three do you got? Uh, this is tough. I really like both Runyon and, um, and Jake Hansen, as I just talked about. And I think that, you know, if it – I kind of expect it to play out that Jake Hansen's going to be the center next year. Elton Jenkins is left guard and John, John Runyon's the right guard. Um, I mean, just going off a kind of a coin flip, I guess I'm going to lean towards Hansen just because of the, the experience that he has strictly at the center position. So just getting kind of maybe started off on a little bit of a better foot, even though there's a bit of a transition for Runyon and Stepaniak. I'm still, I'm still not sure about yet. Um, I haven't really watched him a ton in all honesty, but I know some of the scouting reports that I read, there was kind of the, the same, um, you know, question mark around athleticism and saying that he's best in confined spaces. So, and Matt LaFleur's outside zone run scheme. Um, I just wonder how that has to translate, but as Mark just said with the scouts, obviously there's parts of his game or they think that he is going to translate. And like I said, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. Um, so just going off of, what the experts have said, but I think it's a coin flip, honestly, between running and Hanson, but I'm going to go with Hanson as well. Could you imagine? I mean, I hope both Hanson and Runyon pan out because then you basically have the interior of your offensive line set for if they are really good the next 10 years, yeah. you know, and then you just have to figure out the tackle situation. I mean, David Bakhtiari is going to play he's going to get extended. He's going to get some more years added to his contract. And then they just, they need to put some, Heavy focus on right tackle. Hopefully, it's a draft pick. I mean, I, I'm, uh, that's kind of my my thinking. I'd rather they draft somebody and really use a higher pick on someone they really like, or pick him in a good spot. And they know that he's going to work out, and kind of like Bulaga. And then you know that you're going to get that seven or eight, you know, hopefully ten years of quality play. And then your offensive line once again is stable. So whatever's going on around it, you know, when they move on. From I know I shouldn't say this out loud, but when you know when they move on from Aaron Rodgers and go into the Jordan Love era, you've got protection for a young quarterback that's learning the NFL game, and that's one less area that you have to worry about. I feel like teams that don't manage their cap very well, one of the biggest problems that they have is that they the offensive linemen kind of become the the casualties of them teams that overpay their safeties or their corners, and not saying that you don't pay those positions, edge rushers, other positions, but if you have to, you know, if you have to let I me mean, just look at the the Chiefs just doled, and the 49ers just doled out a ton of money to their tight ends. Are they going to be able to keep? Eventually, is their offensive line going to stay solid? You just you never know. I'm not I'm not saying either of those teams are going to fall apart, but the offensive line is an area where you know I think Mark, you you said it perfectly. The Packers have had they've done well. You know they've they've put that position in, or that area of their offense in a really good position 
to be a strength. And you don't see too many teams winning Super Bowls or competing for Super Bowls that don't have a really, really good offensive line. So that would be the best case scenario. I'm going to go with Runyon. And for me, it's just because I have no experience in, in what I'd even look at in terms of how to scout an offensive lineman or any of those types of things. But I think I just go with the pedigree. And I know that he's very different from his dad. And it's not a guarantee and a name doesn't make plays. But I, I just have I have to hope that he pans out really well, just given where the Packers drafted him and kind of what they what they you know, he was he was the first one, the first domino out of out of all of them there. So they liked him enough to bring him in and, and I think he's got a bright hopefully has a bright future. If nothing else, maybe sticks on the practice squad. I don't know if he'd make it through, you know. No, he'll he'll be on the roster. Yeah, well, yeah, I would I would think so too. I just, you know, I hedge a little bit there just in case something goes haywire or something like that, you know. So and if obviously if Corey Lindsley doesn't end up playing in 2020 in Green Bay, which again, we don't think is going to happen, then he's absolutely on the roster. But that'll be a fun one to watch, kind of a camp battle that, you know, you want to talk about a battle that's hard to figure out, you know, as it is, it's hard to figure out what's going on anyway, but in the, on the offensive line, you know, they're not catching passes. They're not racking up stats. I guess they do those one-on-one drills. Do they still do those with Lafleur in training camp like they did with McCarthy? Against like oh. the defensive line? Yeah, where you would get like, that was the other thing you would hear of too, is like, yeah, so-and-so receiver caught a ball, but you would also hear like, Okay, Bakhtiari versus Clay Matthews. Bakhtiari won his one-on-one rep, and you would you would hear those reports from the the beat writers that were at practice. Yeah, they did those last year, and watching Bakhtiari against Darius Smith was about as as incredibly fun as you would think it is. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite part of camp when I covered the Eagles was was watching because that was for real. I mean, mm-hmm. and neither guy wanted you know, especially like like the hard like you said, like the, the a Bakhtiari versus a Smith like. They were they were like yeah whoever the best you know like you know whoever it was at the time and John Runyon going against um, Trent Cole you know back in the day or whatever it was. I mean it was yeah they were they were fun they were a lot of fun and what I was gonna say watching that last year and I think I said this before but when the Texans were in town for the scrimmage Helton Jenkins went up against the same guy twice and he knocked him on his butt both times relatively <laughs> easy so and I don't know who it was I don't <laughs> guessing he didn't make the roster. But still, this is an NFL player that this rookie in one of his first few practices is knocking down just with his pure strength and technique. It was impressive to watch. And it was that moment early on in camp where you go, oh, okay. This guy can play. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw, that, I saw a lot of that. I mean, through the years, you know, just you, both ways. You see it both ways. You see that young, you know, and that's the other thing. Watching the high profile guys was great. But then watching these, watching the young guys just to see. And you could see, like, and, and and certain guys, you'd say, "Oh, wow, this guy's going to be a player," or other times you say, "Oh, I don't know. They they took this guy in the third round, but he's getting he's getting his butt kicked every by everybody, not just you know, undrafted guys who come in and beat him." Now that doesn't you know this doesn't bode well for him, and more times than not. And again, it's they not want everybody has a bad day, but when it a guy had bad day, bad day, bad day. He wasn't going to make the team after after so, so many bad days, you know. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's fun. I mean, that's like the trenches, you know. That's like real football and guys going at it. And you want that physicality, and it's fun to watch. Not so much fun to be in the middle of. I don't think when you're getting bent and twisted every which way. But that's kind of how training camp goes. So, as far as I guess, as far as somebody winning their reps and and making a name for themselves in training camp, our last question is. 
who wins the right guard job. We've talked about this on this on our show before the assumed competition between Billy Turner and Lane Taylor. Lane Taylor missed a lot of last season with an injury. There was some talk about whether he would even be back in Green Bay. The Packers extended him, and he is coming back. Billy Turner struggled at times last year, and so it's worth asking. And now there's there's been a lot of talk about Billy Turner and his contract. We just talked about how they, he might free up some money if the Packers were to move on from him after the 2020 season. So without having seen Lane Taylor last year and knowing what he's going to come back and look like, it's it's kind of hard to answer this question. But, Mark, has your stance changed since the last time we talked about it as far as Taylor versus Turner? I don't know. What did I say last time? I don't remember. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd bail me out because I was <laughs> – Well, here's what I think. I think Lane Taylor is a better player than Billy Turner. I really do. Uh, Lane Taylor's better – I mean, last year he got hurt, so we can't really use last year. But even in his down year – of 2018, he was better than Billy Turner in 2019. All right, um, I I just think Lane Taylor. I like Lane Taylor. I, I, he's not a star by any means. He's not going to go to the Pro Bowl. He's not going to do any of that kind of stuff. But I think he's a solid guard. He really is. He's a kind of and um, you know, un, like I said, I mentioned earlier, undrafted. To find that undrafted player that can be a solid player for you, you got to give Ted Thompson a little bit of credit there. Um, but with all that said, it's almost like a, a, a boxing match where the the challenger has to knock out the champ. Not that Billy Turner's a champ, but he is the in, incumbent. And he's their guy. And we, we, we've talked about this in the past, too. Turner came in under this regime. And it would look bad for Lane Taylor to beat him out. It would make the general manager, the, 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 the pro personnel guy coach all of them. it would look it wouldn't look good if, if Lane Taylor who was here all along beats out a guy that they went out and spent some money on mm-hmm. to, to, to bring in so I guess my answer is Billy Turner wins the job but that might not be a fair fight yeah that's I guess that's that's fair to ponder I mean Lane Taylor has a lot of experience and he's got to know if he doesn't win a starting job his days in the NFL may be numbered unless somebody is dealing with an injury or well, if someone deals with an injury or, or, I mean, I, I guess as a starter, you know, I mean, no, no, yeah, no, right. But as somebody getting, would be a great number six guy. Sure. I mean, as, as far as, as, you know, other teams are going to deal with injuries and stuff like that, he would be a very serviceable fill in, but Paul, your take on the right guard battle. And I'm not exactly sure where you stood on this last time, but has your take changed or is it still the same? Uh, it's still the same, and I know Mark and I tend to be on the same page often, I feel like. Uh, he ticked off just about every bullet point I had in this category. Um, so I'm with him. Taylor's down season, 2018, compared to his 16-17 season, that was down, but was still better by you know several different metrics that you can look at uh, compared to Billy Turner's 2019. But he's coming off an injury. Billy Turner's got another year in Lafleur's offense, and Mark, if you have an opinion on this, just from your experience being around the game, but I think the money matters. I mean, Taylor's getting what yeah. one and a half million, or his cap hits one and a half. Turner's eight and a half. And my my thought is Taylor's going to have to come out and not just beat him by a little. Like he's going to have to be like, oh, he's significantly better than Turner, in order for the Packers to put <clears throat> nine million dollars on the bench. 
So yeah, you can't I, put that much money on the bench. You just can't. Not, exactly. Not, you would cut him. I mean, if he can't win the job, I think you cut him. And that was kind of my thought process. So for that reason and just the fact that Taylor missed most of last year, whereas Turner didn't, you know, another year in the system, I think that he wins that job. But also I think Turner or Taylor has a path to playing based on what happens at right tackle. I mean, if, if Wagner's struggling, I think Green Bay's plan is to kick Turner out there, and then Taylor's your right guard. So now, See, I, I'm going to say something different. You guys are going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> Turner can't play right tackle. Turner's got to play right. He, he, if, you, if you thought he struggled at right guard, you ain't seen nothing. Well, I'm with you right there. Guard. I think Lane Taylor could be the right tackle. I really you know, do. I know people think I'm nuts when I, when I say that, but he, had, he started at left tackle. Mm-hmm, against the Dallas Cowboys yep. in a big game, and the Packers won with him at left tackle. And that was a one-game. Exp- I mean, they, they got they everybody was hurt. They had to do it. Um, give him a whole camp at, at right tackle. Maybe I don't know. I, I know if everybody when I say this, everybody looks at me like, "What are you? What are you thinking about?" No, it's like I'm just saying, don't don't rule that completely out. Oh, I think anything's on the table this season. It's just there's there's so many question marks, and the Packers better have answers for this because if, if someone gets sick, and, I, and it's frustrating to think about already and hasn't even hit the team yet, but it's going to, then they better have an answer for it. I mean, we may have, if for no other reason, then they have to deal with seeing Billy Turner at right tackle for some reason or Lane Taylor playing out of position. But I... I like the fact that they brought him back. I mean, the, the foresight the team had to see, to see what potential pitfalls they might be dealing with at least gives you some comfort that they've got guys in there that you know have played before and that can do a decent job. And if the rookies pan out, especially as late as they were drafted, that's a huge win just in terms of your contract is manageable for that many years and you can you could keep you probably keep an extra – free agent i mean who knows you know if 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 these both of these rookie interior offensive linemen pan out do the packers not even have to consider whether or not they they need to move on from preston smith next year or adrian amos for example you know those those are just two examples of of kind of what i'm i'm getting at there but it uh this was good. I mean, for the interior of the offensive line, I mean, we didn't get the you know the wide receiver position or, or anything like that, which we've, we've talked about a ton. But there's a lot going on, and it was timely in terms of what Andy had put out. So thank you, Andy. I know he did that just for us because he knows that we go on Saturdays, and he wanted to make sure that we had enough content. Speaking of content. Well, I, I think he didn't want to give us tackles because he didn't want to hear me rip Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner. <laughs> yeah, he knew. He knew kind of. He knew how you felt about that. Well, it's that is a, an area of concern. And actually, I did a chat with Andy yesterday and a, a group of uh, of our Packaday team on the new locker room app. If you haven't gotten it, check it out. It's free and it's a new place where folks can get together and talk sports. And you can listen to some of your favorite personalities talk with others about certain topics. And we were talking just in general about the Packers. And the the question was posed. You know, what is your biggest concern? And Mark, I made you proud. I said it was Rick Wagner. That was my contribution. Is Rick Wagner, or who has to? Who has to? Who is a key to this season? And my answer was it's Rick Wagner because, you know, if he doesn't do well, you look at everything Bulaga had to deal with. I mean, just think of those first four games last year that Bulaga had to go up against some premier pass rushers in the in the NFL, including Khalil Mack. 
you know, that's not something you just you just replace. So uh, before we go, well, I guess we should go around the horn. I was going to say this this coming weekend on Sunday, Jake Westendorf and I are going to be doing Pulse of the Pack live over on our YouTube channel, and we are going to be with Daniel and Paul. I should, is it is it Plocher or Ploker? I'm not going to try. Yeah. No. <laughs> so um, I'll, we're I'll, gonna... let, I'll let you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds that sounds about right. And, you know, I'm good at that. So that's that's what I do. Um, so he's going to be joining us. We're going to be chatting some football uh, with him. And then as far as content goes around the horn here, Mark, what are we working on this week at Packer Report? Uh, we're gonna, well, I'm going to take the, the old wait and see this week because they are in camp. So um, I'll be on Twitter seeing what's going on. And uh, <laughs> now I'm going to—I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll be live stuff off what I hear and read and 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 see. Um, I had a story the other day that Paul uh, kind of liked on um, our friend John Lovett, who we all mm-hmm. seem to think has an outside chance. I actually talked to his. His college coach uh, at, at uh, Princeton, Bob 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 Sarace, who um, was very comp- I mean, obviously he was going to be complimentary, but he he dropped a Taysom Hill line mm-hmm. on me because I wasn't expecting, saying that Love it. You know, he he called him. He said uh, Love it was their Taysom Hill before anybody knew who who Taysom Hill was. So um, it gave it, you know it gave me an interesting little a story I wasn't even looking for that I that I got. So. I'll come up with something for Packer Report this week. I just don't know yet. <laughs> wow. So I'd heard about that too, and whenever somebody says that, it kind of kind of gives you that, like you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, hot take machine. But hey, it could who knows? I mean, who thought Taysom Hill was going to be Taysom Hill? Right? Exactly. So, and Paul, I guess I should have reworded my plug of the show. You're going to be on that show as well. I made it sound like it was Jake and I, and you were just going to be hanging out in the wilderness <laughs> as we're talking to Daniel. Only, from, only some weeks. Yeah, Daniel from the fan, the fan uh, on the radio there. But what's what do we have coming up at Game on Wisconsin and Dairyland Express this week? Uh, well, uh, like Mark said, training camp's in process, so I'm going to be knocking out an article for every drop pass and missed tackle and sending them directly to Mark. Um, uh, and I'll read them after Oh, that. perfect. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, we're just going to kind of see what news uh, comes out from there. And then over at Game on Wisconsin, we got tons of live shows all week and special guests. And then, he said TV, I did a piece on John Lovett as well, scrolling through looking for some stats on him, and there was Mark Eccles' article, so I read that. You should go check it out. The interview with the coach is excellent. You learned a lot of great stuff about Love It. Um, but if you feel generous enough, check out mine as well. Uh, just kind of took a look at why I think he's got a chance at making the roster as kind of an insurance policy for Josiah DeGuara. Yeah, good stuff. Always, as always, great content. So until we're and, and we don't know what uh, we're going to be doing next week because the positional reviews kind of end on Friday. So I guess we might be back with a new fun topic like we've been doing the past couple weeks i won't tease it here because it may change or maybe we'll have news maybe or maybe we'll have news yeah exactly there might be some actual news and, and changes and stuff like that hopefully for the better if anything maybe it'll trade maybe it'll trade cory Lindsay to the cowboys there we go there we go <laughs> well if they do i hope that they do it bef- after 12 o'clock on friday maybe they can, maybe they can get cd lamb for him. oof there you go. <laughs> well, you did. Bill O'Brien does. Bill O'Brien is in Texas, but he's in Houston. He's not in Dallas. That's, so that's I, right. I don't think that's. I don't think that's happening. But another good one, guys. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy some actual Packers training camp football, and go Pack Go. 
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.